0: chapter 3 Daniel chapter 3 verse 28 says then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said blessed be the god of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego who hath sent his angel and one delivered his servants that trusted in him and two changed the king's word and three yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own God. The question is this, how do we get to a place in our lives where God would deliver us in the midst of a difficult, trying time? How would we get to the place in our lives where God would use us to change the world around us or the heart of the king of of the heart of Nebuchadnezzar in this particular case? Or how would we get to the place in our lives where God would make us his servants, and we would no longer be asked to serve anyone else but the God of heaven. What could we do? How could we live our lives in such a way that God would would grant us the privilege of seeing these things in our lives? That's what we're gonna look at today here in the book of Daniel, the first three chapters. Let's pray. Father, we ask that as we meet together this morning around your word, that you would cause your word to be powerful quick and sharper than any two-edged sword, that it would accomplish a mighty work. The God, Christians that are sitting back and waiting for opportunity would be spurred on to greater service and a desire to live for you in greater fashion. That we would find it within uh, ourselves through your spirit to place a greater faith in your word and to exercise a greater faith in the God of heaven. That, God, we would see you at work in our lives and doing some wonderful, mighty things. God, if there's anyone here that is struggling just to trust you for the uh, gift of salvation made today, they understand that great gift and come to know Christ. And Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What we're going to do is look back here at what God does uh, in the lives of these people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how he prepares them for this great opportunity We live in a nation right now that needs someone like a Shadrach, a Meshach, and Abednego that would be able to do something to the extent that it would change the heart of politicians. Give me an amen. Wouldn't that be something if God would use someone at Southeast Baptist Tabernacle to change the hearts of people in Washington? And I want you to hear this. It is not an impossible thing. We struggle sometimes to believe that God would actually accomplish something like that. But folks, this is huge. I mean, God takes these these people from a foreign country and brings them in as slaves to the king. And God uses Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to change the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. What could we do, how, how must we live our lives if we would like for God to use Southeast Baptist Tabernacle to accomplish those kinds of great things, that the hearts of the leaders of our great nation would be changed? Well, that's what we're gonna look at. We're gonna see what it, what it requires. Well, back in, Deut- in Deuteronomy, in Daniel chapter one, you know the story, Daniel chapter one, they're all taken prisoner. And the first thing that happens is, of course, after they're divided out and they're chosen as being, you know, people who are smart and healthy and and uh, they might be able to be used of the king in a very unique way, uh, they are they are set aside and then they are about to be fed the king's meat. Do you remember that story? That's what happens in Daniel chapter one, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel come face to face with the first major decision that they have to make. It's likely that they are teenagers at this point. So teenagers listen up, God could take you. Do you believe that God could actually take a teenager and change the heart of the president of the United States? Do you really believe that? Well, I believe it too, but it does require something of that teenager. We cannot be average. It does require something of that teenager. We cannot simply fit in we cannot simply meld into the society that is around us. If we want to be used of God to accomplish great things, then we must be willing to pay some price. So here's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we always call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is actually their Babylonian names. I don't know why we don't call Daniel Belteshazzar. We call him Daniel, and probably because it's just easier to pronounce. Uh, but uh, we, we always kind of go back to those those uh, you know, those uh, Babylonian names that were given to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So anyway, here we go, and this is my own little pet peeve. It is a bednego, not a bendigo, a bednego. All right, take a look at it. Uh, it's, it's grammatical, but that's irrelevant. All right, so here they are, and they're they're about to be served. And by the way, this ought to be a great thing. This really, this is like for for poor folk, you know, from Southern Indiana. You know, we we were raised on. Gravy and, and uh, squirrel gravy is like the best gravy you will ever eat. Homemade biscuits and squirrel gravy. Now, everybody from the city is like, squirrel, you eat squirrel? You know, we feed them, we don't eat them. Well, you know, but I'm telling you, that's good stuff. And when you're raised like that, and all of a sudden to be given the opportunity to eat highbrow, that is something, that I gotta tell you this story. So I took a bunch of teenagers to this really fancy restaurant one time, it's, it's along the, uh, in Dayton, Ohio, they have an airport, and along the, uh, the Dayton, Ohio, airport runway is a restaurant called Eddie Rickenbacker's. And you can sit at your table and watch out the windows as the planes come in and out. And so they serve us, and here we are. I mean, I'm talking about this is a nice restaurant. So we've got Crystal, and we've got everything. And I'm like, you know, I'm a youth pastor, so I'm like, hey, guys, watch this. I dip my finger in the water. You know what's coming, right? And I take my finger around the top of that crystal, you know. And if you do it just right, then it starts saying, you know. And so there's like 12 of us. Those people never said a word to us. They just came along, took our crystal, gave us glass, and <laughs> and walked away. Never said a word. Bunch of hicks coming into our restaurant. You know? here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This ought to be a privilege. I mean, wow, they're about to dine like they have never eaten before. But there's a problem. Their God has given them very strict dietary regimen to live by. And so rather than embracing the society that they find themselves immersed in and fitting into the society they find themselves immersed in, these Folks, these teenage guys say, no, we will not eat the king's meat. The Bible literally says that Daniel had purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. So they said, no, that's the first step, by the way, of being used by God to do some incredible things. How do we get to that point? Well, first, you know, they're like, we are not going to eat the king's meat. And so there's several things that we want to look at. And I'm using that old, this is an old um, uh, outline, so you're just going to have to, I mean, it's not mine. I mean, this is old like, like uh, you know, I don't know who the first one to preach it, but I would guess Billy Sunday preached something like this. It, it's that kind of an outline. The first thing they said: we will not bend our way of living to match what the world wants us to look like. So the world comes along and says, you guys need to quit... By the way, th- they could say this to fundamental Baptists all over the place. You guys need to quit being so rigid, right? You need to quit being so hard-nosed. Why do, you have to, why do you have to be so rigid about this? We need to bend a little bit. It's time to, well, you know, listen, I'm not worried about bending the things that are, that are simply, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, traditional, okay? For instance, like this right here, this is traditional. You don't find ties in the Bible. Nobody wore them in the Bible because they didn't have them. You know, when they put something around their neck, it was for some other purpose. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, they didn't, they didn't wear those. And so, but yet in our Baptist churches, we like to wear a tie. And I, I'm going to tell you, I ask our choir to wear a tie. I ask usher to wear a tie. I don't apologize for that. I want them to look sharp. I want them to, you know, look like they belong doing what they're doing. You're about to hand somebody some money in an offering plate. I want them to look like they're supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so I don't apologize for it, but this is tradition. You know, so if somebody bends on this, are we going to have a conniption? No. This is tradition. This isn't Bible. This is just tradition. I don't mind. But when it comes to biblical things, when thus saith the Lord, we will not bend. And we're going to be hard-nosed and rigid. And we're not going to apologize for standing firmly on the word of God. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that no man cometh unto the Father but by Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. So we're not going to allow for any other gospel to be preached around here. Because that would be anathema. Let them be accursed, the Apostle Paul said. So we're going to stand firmly on it. And it may offend some people, but that's the way it is. Because that's the scripture, and we stand on it. If we are going to be used of God to do the great things, we have to start with the things that are simple. We're simply not going to bend. When the world comes comes and says, does that really matter? Yes, it does matter that thus saith the Lord. It does matter. When the world whispers in our ear and says, who's going to even know? We will not bend. When the world says, be reasonable. Folks, it is reasonable to follow the scripture. I can prove that from the scripture. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, to you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, so it's reasonable for us to stand on God's word. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, they said, we will not bend. We're going to be rigid and firm and stand right here on the word of God. Teenagers, we need some young men, some young women who will stand up and say, we are not going to be pushed the direction that the world would have us to go because it's convenient, because it's easier, or because it doesn't offend anyone. And we're not trying to offend people. Don't misunderstand. Our goal is not to offend. The Bible says, since we're standing on the Bible, you know what the Bible says? That we should try to live peaceably with who? All men. Our our goal is not to stand up and see how many people are going to make mad at us. That's not what we're trying to do. But we will not bend on the scripture. And that's what these men said. We will not bend even though the world was coming along and trying to cause it. How do we get to that place? In Daniel chapter 3, there's another story. Nebuchadnezzar has this great uh, statue built, a monument to himself. And he declares that at the sound of the music... Everybody is supposed to bow down and worship this false god. And folks, we have a lot of false gods in this society we call America. We do. And I love our nation. This is not, this is not to, to belittle America. God has blessed America. But we have, a, we have raised up many a, a temple to false gods around this society of ours. Some of that is the false God of money. And what we do for money is amazing. It's frightening. What people do in the name of Christ for money. What our society will ask of us to do for the comfort that comes with money. And so this False God that Christians all around the nation are bowing down to, this God of money. And with that money goes material things, stuff. And I'll prove it to you. We would, would, it is our reasonable service to give ourselves wholly and wholly unto God. Entirely and righteously to God. That's reasonable. So in that, if it's possible we ought to be attending church regularly, reading our Bibles, praying, witnessing to the people. These are the things that God's word clearly lays out for us to do. And it has this isn't, there's no rocket science involved here. That's clear from the scripture. And yet, it comes time to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. And we have a choice. I can go to church or I can make a few extra bucks and buy a bigger TV. and we're choosing, Christians across America are choosing to worship a false God rather than to worship the God who has sent their son to save their soul. And they've trusted him for salvation, but they can't trust him for the daily things. And it's a struggle and stuff starts getting in the way. Now, please hear me out. I'm not saying that if you ever work instead of going to church, it's sinful. If, you know, some people need to, aren't you glad a plumber works on Sundays every now and again? How would you like to wait until Monday to get your toilet fixed? That'd be bad news. Aren't you glad doctors and nurses and firemen and police officers work on Sundays? I am. I am. Would I love to live in a society that would never require me to see a doctor on a Sunday? That would be great. But I'm, you know, I'm well aware that sometimes your ox is in a ditch. I'm I'm aware of that. And I'm not talking about the, the need. I'm not talking about when we're need-driven to be someplace instead of God's house. But when we're want-driven to be someplace instead of God's house, we're running into a problem. And we will never see a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come from that kind of Christianity. We will never see the king's heart changed by Christians who bow down to materialism over the God who has saved their soul. What's getting in the way? What will make us bow? Sometimes it's that, you know, it's, it, it, we go and we're supposed to witness. Now nah, I'm just being honest for myself too. You know, we go to witness and we're afraid to witness because we're afraid of the immediate cost of witnessing. Let me give an example. You know, the hardest, the hardest people are, there are to witness to is your family, right? Amen? Because you have to see your family all the time. So if your brother says no, guess what? You still have to see him come 4th of July. And it's awkward and weird. And so that's rough. But you can get past that one. But you know who the hardest people for your pastor is to just be a a strong, solid witness to? Because of the fear that they would reject. That's the people who work across the street at Walgreens. It may surprise you, but I go to Walgreens quite often. I walk in, those people know me and my name. Hey, Pastor Ray, how you doing? But I'm telling you that you know, when you put things out on the line at that point, you know you're gonna come back the next day or the next day after that. You're gonna see those people again. And you know the awkwardness that comes if people have rejected, and sometimes that's hard. And if you and I are gonna bend and bow so easily to the false god that is before us, that god of peer pressure or that god of pride, or that god of arrogance that you know, raises its ugly head and says, You should do this rather than obey the savior of your soul. And we do that. Then we find ourselves bowing to a false god. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, "Uh uh-uh. And the music plays, and they remain standing. Can you imagine the peer pressure at that moment? It would be like this. I'm not doing this. This is just me calling it out, right, for a moment. If I would say, Okay, everyone here who will uh, give $1,000, stand up. And if everyone stood up but one person, how would you like to be the one? Or let's do it the opposite way. We stand everybody up. If you want to live for Jesus, uh, you know, sit down, and everybody sits down but you. That'd be really tough, right? That's where these people are. Everybody, hundreds of people, fall to their face to to the ground because the music begins and they're worshiping this false idol. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, "Uh, no, there is but one God that we will serve. And we will not bow to the government. We will not bow to money and materialism. We will not bow to peer pressure. We will not bow to political correctness. We will not bow to what makes us comfortable. We will stand for God regardless of the cost. Early on, they would not bend. They would not yield. They would not waver at all, not one little bit. Now, in the face of great cost, they will not bow to this false God. And I don't know if you remember the story, but in Daniel chapter 3, the story is this. If you don't bow, you're going to what's the next word? Figure it out. They won't bend, they won't bow, burn. And they had this furnace, and it was burning, it was burning. And you know I have no idea what the furnace looks like in my mind. It's like a big fire pit in the ground of, of uh, but I don't know how it looked. I really don't know. It had to be something that people could look into, because in this story, they're seen in the fire. And they take a stand. I I don't know, I want you to think about this for a moment. Moms and dads, listen for a moment. Imagine for just a moment, you're watching this scene played out. And you're the mother of Shadrach. And he refuses to bow. Mom, what would you do? Would you be cheering your son on saying, yes, son, take a stand, don't bow. Or would you be looking at the fire and saying, oh, please, son, just bow. Don't burn. Just bow. What would it be? Folks, if we want to get to the place where what we do impacts the heart of the king, then we need a Shadrach and a Meshach and a Abednego who, facing a fiery furnace, will say, I will not. That kind of Christianity will have an impact on society. That kind of Christianity will change the hearts of kings. Everything else is weak and anemic. And I I shudder to think what I would be doing in that circumstance. To watch my children stand at great cost what would i be saying to them and yet i know that we desperately need in this society just a few who would stand and not bow who would be firm and not bend take a look at down verse 27 you know this story right The king is infuriated. He is angry. How dare you challenge my authority like this? And he literally says, heat up the furnace. And, you know, sometimes I think we think that these people in Old Testament times, we've been kind of brainwashed to think of them like as Stone Age cavemen. And we think, oh, they didn't know how to do these kinds of things. But they did. Folks, we are in a downward spiral, not an upward one. Society's getting worse, not better. You understand? So it's not like these people had no knowledge. And so they they heat this furnace up and they heat it up and it's hot. So hot that as they're trying to put them into the fire, it burns the people who are throwing them in. You ever had one of those kinds of fires before? I was out here burning, uh, remember last fall, we burned like 25,000 pounds of wood. I don't know, we just kept burning, kept burning, kept burning, trying to clear out all that stuff over there. And one day I was out there working, and I'd gotten that fire really hot, and I'm just throwing stuff onto it, and I got too close. I'm not making this up. It burned my eyelashes, and I had to literally pull my eye, eye open because it melted my eyelashes together. It was the strangest thing, and it hurt for weeks. It was like every time I blinked, it would catch, catch, catch. It's like, wow, that was weird. That was the kind of fire, and this is a hot fire. And these men are facing this fire. And in the face of all this, look what it says in verse 27. And the princes, governors and captains and the kings, counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire, look at what it says, had no power, nor was a hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. How do we get to a Christianity? that can live in the society that we are, have you ever just thought about the society we're handing off to our kids and been ashamed? We did not battle well, or this society would not look this way. But what we are handing off to our our children, boy, I tell you, it's, it's not pretty. It is not. And if we do not have instilled in them the Faith that it takes to be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then what we're gonna see is our children bowing themselves down to false gods and society burning up. It's gonna be ugly. We need a Shadrach, a Meshach, a Abednego, a Daniel, who will not bend, who will not bow, and because they would not bend, they would not bow, they did not burn. That's the that's the uh The old outline, I'm just kind of adding some different bones to it here. Wow. Look what it says. Here's what I want to get to a Christianity that can, I want to pass on to my children and to my grandchildren. The ability to live in this world that we've given them. And first it says, and that this world would have no power over them. The fire had no power over them. To have passed on a faith in God so strong that no matter how much peer pressure this world puts on them and how much political correct pressure this world puts on them, they will stand. And it will have no power over them. Wow. To have that kind of faith. To be able to be thrown into the fiery furnace, to face the furnace. And the second thing was, neither was a hair of their head singed. Easier for some than others, but you get the idea. Neither was a hair of their head singed. The idea that not, is it, it's not just the overall faith of our children that goes untouched. But that our kids would have such a great, profound faith in God and his word and a willingness to stand so strongly on the word of God that even the fringe areas are not touched by the fire. When our kids have this kind of faith, the heart of the king will be moved. But until our kids have this kind of faith, we can continue to watch our nation plummet into degradation and wickedness and perversion. And what will we hand off to our grandkids? I've said it before, I'll, I'll say it to you again, it has nothing to do with this message, but you know, I do not, if the Lord comes back today, I'm not afraid. In fact, I want him to come back today. I beg him. Please, make it today. My greatest fear is that the Lord in his grace and his mercy will tarry another 200 years. Because what will this world look like if the Lord doesn't come back? What will my children, my grandchildren, have to endure if the Lord doesn't come back? I'm not afraid that he'll come back. I fear he won't, that he'll wait. What are we leaving them? If we have not instilled into them this kind of faith, we're going to doom them to trouble. So they faced the fiery furnace. No power over them. Neither a hair of their head singed. Not even their coats were changed or were burned. And he goes on to say, not even the smell of it. Listen, you know what I want from my kids? I want my kids to be independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptists. I'm not content that my kids just are good kids that go to some church someplace. I want them to embrace the truths of the Bible. Do you understand? It's not enough that we raise them to be half of what God would want them to be. I want them to embrace not the, the Christianity of their father, I want them to embrace the Christianity of the Bible. you know why I'm an independent fundamental Baptist? Because I believe that's what the Bible teaches. And to be anything else is no longer to stand on this book. That's what I want for my kids. And my grandkids. I don't even want the smell of smoke to be on them. I want them to be untouched. I want them to have such a strong faith that in the face of a fiery furnace... They will not bow. Because the only way that I get them to the place where they will not burn is if they will not bend and if they will not bow. Then they will not burn. Can I go back to last Sunday night for a moment? Last Sunday night we talked about mentoring. You know how we raise these kinds of kids? We be those kinds of parents. That's how we raise them. We raise those kind of kids by being that kind of dad and mom. By standing on this book in the face of potential persecution. In the face of peer pressure. In the face of having to surrender stuff over principle. Are we Coming, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You do realize that there were other children of Israel in this crowd, right? Daniel chapter 1, there's several taken. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel stand. I will not bend. In Daniel chapter 3, all of those who were taught the ways of the Babylonians are in the crowd, including Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego but it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that do not bow. What is it? Are we, which, which kind of Christianity are we? Are we the children of Israel on our face before a false god, fear of the fire? Are we Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I will not bend. I will not bow. And because of that, I will not burn. And because of that, the heart of the king is changed. eyes.